welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. To the people of the Bible were the most important words of all. You say, why are those four words the most important words in all of Scripture? And that's because they said that when you say the words, in the beginning, God, you're forced to make a choice. Will you put your faith in his story, or will you try to write your own story? Will you decide that he is the creator of all things, or will you spend your life trying to create the things that you want? There is no third choice, and there's not a halfway choice. See, what you believe in most is what you will reflect most to those around you. What you believe in most will always be reflected most to those around you. I want to welcome everyone watching online today. I know that many are still traveling for the holidays. I want to welcome you on site. Today we begin something that I am truly, truly excited for that we have never done in 13 years of this church. Today we begin an adventure together where we are going to travel the story of God from Genesis to Revelation in 2023. We are going to spend the entire year walking through the story of God as faithful followers of Jesus. And so if you've ever had that moment where you're saying, man, I really want to know God's word differently. Man, I really want to understand how to approach the Bible. Man, I really want to learn some things I have never learned in this story before. This is the place you want to be. It's 2023. It is day one. It is the day where everybody makes resolutions and proclamations. It is the day where people look forward and they say, man, I don't really want to look backward anymore. It is the day where you say, hey, it's a brand new calendar year and it's a brand new start. The the, the slate is kind of clean. And for the next 51 weeks as a church, we're going to march forward together. I will tell you this. No matter what your resolution is, no matter what your declaration is or proclamation for 2023, if you do not make it with God at the center of all of it, you won't make it through those goals. God, his story, and his word have to be at the center of everything that we do. Now, as we navigate through this together, there will be a QR code that they'll put on the screen every single week. On our website, you can go to our homepage. There's a card there that says the never-ending story. And we're going to be giving you resources all year long. Right now, if you go there later on today, there is a year Bible reading uh, program to where if you're saying, hey, as we march through the Bible together, I want to read through the Bible this year on my own. There's apps in there. There's a place for you to ask questions off of what we've been teaching because every single week we're going to be recording a podcast off of Sunday sermon so that we can take what we're doing on Sunday and we can take it further than we do even in this service so that you can listen to that. You can watch that throughout the week. There's a place for you to get involved in a life group because many of our life groups, our men's groups, our women's groups, our marriage groups, our college groups, whatever it is, they've decided that this year, instead of choosing a different study, they're going to take the things that we are learning on Sunday and they're going to take it into their life groups and discuss it even further. 
And so we're trying to push this on all levels to help you understand God's story in a way you never have. When you came in this morning, you were given a stack of inserts. I wish our binders were here because of the holidays and because of shipping and because of snowstorms across the country. Uh, They did not get in by today. They will be in next week. But the goal is that you would be able to get that binder. You would take the inserts and the notes and the questions you've been asking. You stick them in there and you'll get them periodically throughout the whole year. And at the end of the year, at the end of 2023, you'd have a binder of everything you learned together with us at this church to be able to go back through. So that at the end of the year, you can say, God, you did something in my life spiritually that has never been done before. And it is because I took this adventure with my church to walk your story. Now, I will tell you, it's plain and it's simple to understand that if we're going to do this on Sundays together, we will not hit every story in the Bible. We will not hit every story you want us to hit in the Bible. And we will not be able to read every verse in every chapter that we look at. That's why we're encouraging you to study this further on your own with friends and a life group and all of that stuff. The goal is to teach you the scope of God's story. The goal is for you to know the word of God, not just know about the word of God. The goal is that your life, your heart, and your mind would be changed when you see the beauty of God's story and what he invites you into. And so for a few moments, I just want to talk about why we need to approach the Bible, the importance of it, and some things you need to understand for how you approach it, because it all matters. Everything we're going to do matters. And so when we talk about engaging the Word of God together, the reason we want to engage the Word of God God together is this. We want to study it, because when we study it, it leads to a better theology, Now, that's a big word. I know we have lots of students in here. They're like, what is that? You know, your theology is your beliefs. And so you're building upon it. And it's the reason why you want to study it so that you have answers when people ask you questions. It's so that when you get in conversations with friends or coworkers or classmates or whomever it might be, family members, you understand how to tell them the things about God. The other reason that we engage the scriptures is this because it leads to holiness. It leads to holiness, because that's the goal. The goal is holiness. Holiness is not perfection. Holiness is God perfecting his work in you. And you have to understand that when it comes to God's story. We have to also understand that poor knowledge of the Bible leads to poor use of the Bible. It's the reason why some of us don't have a faith to stand on. It's the reason why for some of us, it crumbles when we get in certain groups of people and or in certain situations or in certain relationships because we don't know God's word. Therefore, we don't know how to use God's word in our life. But here's the big reason. The big reason is because the Bible is progressive revelation. Now, let me tell you and let me clarify. That is not progressive in cultural terms like you know today. Okay. That's not what that's talking about. What that's talking about is this never-ending story that as you open the story of God and you read it and you continue to read it and you march through it, everything that you do inside of it continues progressively to display and to teach you who God is. And it's the reason why you can return to this never-ending story 
over and over and over again, and you will always learn new things about God because it is constantly revealing who he is within his story. This story is amazing. It is written by over 40 different authors spanning 1,500 years of writing, written about 4,000 years worth of history, and yet all of that tells one cohesive, beautiful story of God in some miraculous, supernatural way that only God could orchestrate. That is the power of the scriptures. And so this morning, we will start in the beginning. The book of Genesis, if you have your Bibles, turn with me there, Genesis chapter 1. If you have a Bible, a phone app, if you have a tablet, whatever you've come to read along with us as you're watching at home online, the scriptures will be on the screens and on the TVs all around me. But I want to talk about some things within the first few chapters of Genesis. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. God's story, some understandings about his story so that you know how to approach the rest of his story. First and foremost, this book is about God. And you say, yeah. I mean, that, that seems obvious. But, but it's the way that you approach it that allows you to understand what it means when we talk about it's a book about God. Because it's a book about the belief you have in God. Everyone has a belief system. Everyone does. Everyone chooses to believe in something. Contrary to what the world tells you, there is no absence of belief. The very fact that you choose not to believe in something says you're choosing to believe in something else. And so there is no absence of belief. Everyone is choosing to believe in something. When we open up the book, of, uh, when we open up the Bible, when we open up God's story, what you must understand is the simplicity in this. It is written by real people in real places at real times. There is not a scholar on the planet that is not a historian that wouldn't tell you, that would argue the validity of the scriptures being written by the people they're written by and the places they find themselves in. What you will find is they argue the divinity of God's word, the supernatural power of God's word. So it is written by real people in real places at a real time. When you open up the very beginning of God's story, Moses is the author. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. You have to understand that God had called him up on Mount Sinai and he told him, Exodus, write these words down. Who was he writing to? He was writing to the nation of Israel who had just been set free from Egypt and they had been living under the captivity of Pharaoh and their gods and goddesses and their belief system. And God is saying, everything you write is gonna tell them who I am and what I can do. This is why we must understand this. It's also why we must understand how we approach the Bible. When you approach the Bible, you have to rethink life the way God intends for you to live. You have to think about how God wants you to receive his story. And what you have to understand are things like this. The Bible is not so much about what you want from God, but what God wants from you. Many times we open up the story of God and our first thought is, well, God, I'm opening this because there's a lot of things I need you to do for me. So I need to find all those answers instead of opening the story of God and understanding that God is saying, hey, there's a lot of things I want from you. The other thought is this. It's not so much about why you are important, 
Oh, you will find and discover that in the story of God. But it is so much more about why God is important. Who he is, what he does, what he offers, what he's promised, all of those things. The second thing about this book is this. It is a book about order and giving. It's a book about order and giving. You say, what do you mean by that? Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The people of the Bible would say verse one is the most important. Verse two is the second most important. You say, why is that? In verse one, you're forced to choose if this is God's story that you're going to believe in or your own. In verse two, it already says that God is hovering over the surface of the deep, over chaos. And it is in chaos that he creates and does the miracles. And for you in your life, what you need to begin to understand is that God hovers over chaos and he speaks and he creates and he orders things and he puts them in place. No other place can that happen. Only from God. What you will begin to understand at the very beginning of the story is that when God hovers over the chaos, he speaks order into it and he puts things in place where they ought to be. How many times do you fumble along in your chaos, in your emptiness, in your void, and you're trying to get things in the right place, but you just keep faltering? It's because God is the one who puts things in order. You will learn by the third chapter of the very first book, it are humans that come along after God has hovered over the chaos. He has put things in order that bring about disorder. And so when you approach the Bible, what you have to know is this. It is just as much about what you have with God as it is what you have without God. The Bible is this beautiful story of what you can have with God. It is also the reality and the truth of what you have without him. And when you take him out of your life, out of the story he belongs in, out of his place, when you don't sit him on the throne as creator of all things and you put yourself on the throne like you're in control of things, you will find out what life is like without God. And so this is the beauty of the story of God. He doesn't just order things and put them in their place. He also gives good things. In verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. In the very beginning of when he begins to speak and create, you find that he speaks about this all-illuminating light. He has not created the sun, the moon, and the stars yet. So this is not the light by which you know how the world works and allows you to see things. This is a total different light that he gives that pushes back the darkness. And so three verses in, there is a God who creates all things. He hovers over your chaos and he pushes back the darkness. We could sit there for weeks and talk about how that speaks into your life and your story. 
That, that is the power of God's word. This all illuminating life within the story of God. The beauty. And this is where we'll end up at the end of this year in December. The book of Revelation, John, a disciple of Jesus, he's allowed to see this light again. And it says this, and the city, talking about heaven, when he gets a glimpse into it, has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. Why? Because the glory of God gives his light. And its lamp is the lamb. And by its light, the nations will walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. It is this amazing reality that this really big book that you say, man, it does not make a lot of sense to me. When you begin to read it and study it, it comes together. And from beginning to end, it tells the beautiful story of God and how it can powerfully change your life forever. Now, I'm not going to read all through the days of creation. You can read them on your own. You can spend that time this week studying. You can meditate upon that and understand them more fully. Inevitably, when we go through the stories of God, you're going to have lots of questions. That's why we told you there's a place on our website for you to ask more questions that we can answer, hopefully, maybe in a podcast or in a series coming up or a message coming up as we go through these stories. But when it comes to the story of creation, we can get lost in a lot of things we don't need to get lost in. There's a bunch of you that the first thing you want to go to within the story of creation is how it was all created. Was it seven literal days or was it 7,000 years? And science says the world is a couple of million years old. Like, let's just sit in there and let's just argue and banter through all of that. What I will tell you is this. When you open up the Word of God, you must understand what the Word of God is trying to give you. And when you open up Genesis chapter 1, it is less about trying to figure out how it was created, and it is more about who created it and put it in place. That is the truth of what is being written. It is not so much to sit around and just argue and banter how it was created. It is way more about who created it and put it in its place. And so while I'm not saying those things don't matter, what I'm telling you is, is that if you don't focus on the bigger, more important things, the enemy will quickly get you off track from seeing the fullness of God's story. My favorite author, N.T. Wright, he says this, he says, we should look at the sun and the moon and we should marvel at its work. Instead of sitting around going, man, I wonder exactly how that got put there. You should just marvel at it. That God created it and put it there. I am amazed, and I will tell you this honestly, at the amount of people that say, one day when I get to heaven, I've got a lot of questions for God. <laughs> really? Because I've read his story over and over again, and I don't know anywhere within his story he told you you'd be allowed to do that. I don't know anywhere within his story. He said, hey, one day when you come see me, you can question me on all the things you didn't understand. That's not what it's about. That's not how we're going to get to live, and that's not how it's going to come to be. You either choose to trust it and believe it in all of its mystery, because that makes him God and you not. Psalm 19 says this, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims his handiwork. That's what it's about. It's about seeing it and going, man, that tells me 
how good he is. That's the beauty of the scriptures. And so inevitably when he creates light and land and sea and plants and trees and and he separates them and day and night and sea creatures and birds and animals and humans, he speaks after every time he creates and he speaks a three-letter Hebrew word. The word is tov. And this word tov that he steps back means this. It means perfect masterpiece well done. He says, when I create things and I put them in order, they are perfect, they are a masterpiece, and they are well done. For any of you that sit around and wonder if you're valuable to anybody, you're valuable to God because you are done perfectly as a masterpiece through the Creator's hands. All that He does is very good. The third thing is this. This book is about identity and vocation. And I'll unpack that here for just a moment. It is about identity and it is about vocation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. The very first chapter of the very first book of the beginning of God's story begins to speak into the identity and the vocation God has for all creation. What you begin to understand when you open up the story of God is that God did not create some picture that he painted for you to sit there and just marvel at. What he created was a project that is moving forward. He he, he endowed the very first human pair with a very special purpose. It's as if he was launching something in motion. He tells them in in, in their vocation and their their calling that they're to look after the rest of creation. He tells them that's part of their role. In doing so, heaven and earth will intersect within the place God had created for them that they will get to create more humans and move this project forward within the way that God has designed it to be. And so for some of you here today, when you open up the story of God, you need to understand that all throughout it, all throughout it, created in the divine image of God means this. You have a divine identity and a divine vocation. Your vocation is different than your occupation. And your vocation is greater than your occupation. Your occupation is what you do or what you want to become. It is the talents and the gifts and the tools and the trade that that you have been endowed with to do something on this earth. But it is not your vocation. And it is about his design more than your desire. And so when we approach the story of God, we have to keep these in the right perspective. You say, what do you mean? If you go to Genesis chapter 2, it begins in more detail to tell you how he created the most precious part of all creation, you. It's the only part of the creation story 
where he decides to give you another part of it to tell you how he intricately put it together. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. What you begin to find out is this, is that your body is formed by the very hands of God. Your soul is breathed into you by the breath of God. And the image that God gave you is engraved on you by the finger of God. So when you say, I'm not important, I'm not valuable, I, I, I don't know if I'm needed, God's word at the very beginning tells a different story about you. And he says, if you will come to my story and you will place yourself in my story in the right place, the right way, my story will forever change your story. But if you try to write your own story, if you try to create your own path, if you step outside of my story, you will miss out on the things that I have had in store for you and have in store for you. And so he says that he creates male and female in his image. It tells us that he takes Adam and puts him to sleep and out of Adam's rib, out of his side, he creates woman. And I love Matthew Henry's commentary on this, and I grew up hearing this my whole life, but this is what he says about the relationship between male and female, between husband and wife, that God intended for it to be. He says, woman was taken from man, not from his head to rule over him. Men, this is not the time to elbow your wife right now, okay? However, wives, this is not the time to elbow your husbands because she was not taken from his feet to be trampled by him, but out of his side to be under his arm and to be protected by him. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, we could sit here literally all year long. There's a God who creates things. There's a God who hovers over the chaos. There's a God who illuminates and pushes back the darkness. There's a God who created you with his own hands and breathed the breath of life into your soul, who put his image on you. He gave you roles to play, and if you play them the right way and you do them within his design, you flourish in a way you will not apart from him. And so it's the reason why Adam says of woman, she is bone of my bone, and flesh of my flesh. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. All throughout the first and second chapter of the Bible, man and woman are known in the Hebrew language as ish and isha. I-S-H, I-S-H-A. One little letter separates them completely. And it is not till the very end when he says, they come back together and they come together in union in marriage. Do they make a full picture of the image of God the way that I intended? It's almost as if like God knew like someone was going to make a movie and say, you complete me. <laughs> right? And yet God's story has already laid the foundation for marriage, laid the foundation for identity, laid the foundation for sexuality, and you're just two chapters in. Either in the beginning God and you choose his story or you're choosing the world's story. Right. 
That's the reality of opening the word of God. And so he gives them a divine identity and he gives you a divine vocation. And your vocation is this, you were created. The amount of people that say, what's my purpose in life? Why did God put me on this planet? What am I really here to do? What is my significance in life as I move forward? You were created by God with a divine vocation to bear his image to the world. That's it. And yet it's powerful and profound. It doesn't matter if you're a husband or a wife, a mother or a father, a grandparent, a student. It doesn't matter if you're a boss and you have employees, a coworker working with coworkers. It doesn't matter if you play sports, band, whatever it is. Those are all things you do. Your vocation in all of them is to bear the image of God to those around you. And when we talk about reflecting the image of God, it isn't this image of a mirror that reflects our, God reflects down on us and we reflect back to God because God does not need us to reflect himself back to him. What it is, is it's like an angled mirror where the glory of God is reflected through you, the image bearer, and it is reflecting out to the world around you. And when the world around you looks at you, they should see the glory of God. That's it. So it means every choice you make matters. The words you say, the friends you have, the places you go, the people you date, marry, all of it. It all matters because your vocation by the creator of the universe is to be an image bearer. And we live in a world full, full of opportunities for you to create your own image. I mean, that's what social media is all about. What's your profile pic? What's the header on your Twitter or YouTube channel? How do people know you? How many likes, followers do you have? How many people have seen your picture of your family on Facebook to know the image that you're trying to create for them? We live in a culture full of identities where people can't figure out what identity they want to claim anymore. My my son this week, is he's filming the Under Armour All-American football game. My son does videography. So I was talking to him last night, and he said, Dad, he goes, the things they're giving to these kids, he goes, the people that are around recruiting them, he says, and the, and the contracts that are being talked about, because in college sports, they now have a thing called NIL, name, image, likeness. And what it means is that if anybody on your campus in your sport uses your name, image, or likeness, you can get paid for it. And so we live in this world of image, of identity, of name, image, likeness. What do I get out of it? And what we have to understand is that it's all about God's image in us, through us, to the world. And what it really boils down to is this when you open up God's story. God is not concerned about your opinion. God is concerned about your obedience. God does not care what you think about him as the creator of the universe or what your opinion is on how it should change. He is more concerned about your obedience to follow his story. The reality is this, when you choose to decide your own identity and your responsibility in life, you reject the first pages of God's story and him as creator of all things. When you choose your own identity apart from God's, when you choose your own responsibility of how you're going to live life, what you're in essence doing is you're rejecting the very beginning of God's story and how he put everything in motion. And finally, this book is about the Messiah. Every story we look at, we'll talk about the Messiah. 
every story that you see in the Bible has shadows of the Messiah. You say, how is that? I'm amazed at how many people had no idea that Jesus has always been there. That's why Genesis chapter 1 says, and we created man and woman in our image. The Spirit of God was there. The Messiah Jesus was there. And God himself was there. Say, how do you know? Well, the story tells us. Proverbs chapter 8 says this. In Proverbs chapter 8, it says, ages ago I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. He says, before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. It's why John says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And in the beginning, he was with God. And all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Everything points us back to Jesus. Because if you don't see Jesus in all things, you miss the goodness of God. That's why Paul says, hey, let's talk about that creation story for a moment when he's writing the New Testament. And he says this about your divine identity and vocation in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, just as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, Adam, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven, Jesus. Just as you were created like Adam from the dust of the ground by God, the creator himself, you were created to bear the image of the man of heaven, Jesus. What you believe in most is what you will reflect most to those around you. And if you believe it's God's story and you are to have a divine identity to reflect him to the world, then you will begin to do that. If you believe it's just some story and you get to write your own story, everyone will see that. That's how it goes. And so I want to give you two thoughts just as we're closing here today. The first one's this. In 2023, on January 1st, as we start this adventure 13 years into this church's history, if you're the one creating your life, then God can't be Lord over all creation. The choices you make today and in the days to come and in the weeks ahead the ones that you make about your faith and your following Jesus, the ways of Jesus in God's word and in God's story, will decide if you are going to try to create your own life or if you're going to let him be Lord and creator of all things. It is the reason why the psalmist says, the fool says there is no God. Think about that. The fool says there is no God, and yet the Lord is looking down from heaven on the human race to see if there's one who is wise. Who's the wise one? The one who seeks God. So you have a choice to make. In the beginning, God, will I foolishly say there is no God, or will I be wise and seek after him? Because that is what the beginning statement in the story of God unfolds for all of us. And the other thing is this. When you enter into the never-ending story of God, it changes you because it's not about you. 
And what starts to happen is this. You go from ask and desire to show me the road to travel. For many of you, that's what God is. He is someone that you only go to when you want to ask for things or you're desiring things you want to have. That's the only relationship you know with God. That's the only time you come to God. That's the only time you open up the story of God. And when you enter into the story of God, the way God intended, it's less about what you want to ask and desire, and it's more about surrender. God, show me the road to travel. Show it to me. The only request I have is that you would open my eyes to the road you want me to travel. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? For many of you, that's been your faith relationship with God. Ask and desire. And God's telling you today that if you come on this adventure with us, and really you just come into the story of God, he will show you the road to travel. And there are a whole bunch of you that at some point this year, you're going to be asking, am I on the right path? Which door should I go through? What opportunity should I take? And we keep our divine identity given by God in its place. When we understand our divine vocation given by God to bear his image to the world, when we put him on the throne and we don't try to sit on it ourselves, and he says, I'll show you the road to travel because I created it long ago. When I was forming you with my hands, when I was breathing life into your body, when I was etching the image of God on you, it was all to let you know, I got a much better way for your life than you have for yourself. And you're invited in to trust it, to follow it, to search it, to seek it, and to join it. Father, today, change us. May we never be the same by this journey we're about to take together. May it transform us, transform marriages, transform families, careers, futures, friendships, dating relationships, all for your glory because all of them are places and opportunity to bear the image of God to the world. In your name I pray, amen.